Please pray with me. God of grace, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Easter Sunday was a week ago, but our reading from John's Gospel today brings us right back to that very first Easter. Our Gospel reading this morning begins later on that same day, the day on which the women went to the tomb and found it empty. As the story continues throughout the day, as we reach the point where our scripture reading picks up this morning, we find that the disciples are very afraid. They are scared, so they have locked themselves in a room. What do you do when you are afraid? Psychologists say that the basic responses to fear are fight, flight, and freeze. We've seen each one of those responses in how the disciples have dealt with the arrest and crucifixion of their beloved Jesus. At the time of Jesus' arrest, some of them had wanted to fight. Simon Peter had drawn his sword and cut off the ear of the high priest's servant, but Jesus commanded Peter to put his sword away. Jesus had chosen a different way. Some of the disciples fled. They deserted Jesus. And I think betraying Jesus is another version of flight, too. Another way to turn and run away from Jesus in the midst of the events that were unfolding. Then later we find them frozen, locked up in a room, afraid to move freely out in the world, trying just to stay safe, to protect themselves. This is where we enter the story today. Each of our four Gospels is a bit different. Each one was written to a particular audience in a particular time and place. And these things, the audience, the time and place of the writing, these things have a big impact on how each Gospel writer chooses to tell the stories, what they choose to emphasize or de-emphasize. One thing we know about John's gospel is that John was writing to a community that was being persecuted. The community of Jesus followers that John was a part of were Jews. Most Christians, most Jesus followers were still Jews at that time. But John's community was living at a time and in a place where the religious authorities in the mainstream Jewish community were increasingly threatened by the Jesus followers. The religious authorities began to push the Jesus followers out of the Jewish community. The audience for John's gospel was under fire from the mainstream of their community and from the religious authorities. John is writing several decades after Jesus' death and resurrection, and when John writes of fear, he has in mind both the fear of his own community and the fear of those first disciples who had witnessed that execution, the crucifixion. So Jesus' followers are afraid, and they are dealing with their fear by locking themselves away. How does Jesus respond to his followers' fear? I think Jesus' response to his disciples then teaches us something about Christ's presence among us now. 
I think Jesus' response to his disciples then teaches us something about how to be church in our time, about how we are called to live as a community of Jesus' followers. Despite the locked door, Jesus shows up. John's Gospel tells us that Jesus stood among them and said, Peace be with you. So the first thing we know about how Jesus shows up is that he brings peace. This could sound bland or boring if we don't remind ourselves of the context. This is a man who was increasingly persecuted until finally he was killed violently in an attempt to get rid of the movement he was building. The setting is a setting of violence. And Jesus responds with peace. Immediately after speaking his words of peace, Jesus shows them his hands and his side, shows them his wounds. When his friends have locked themselves up because they are afraid, Jesus shows up and in some ways proves that there is good reason to be afraid. It is as if Jesus says, yes, the risks are real. Look again at what they did to me. Now, how is that going to be helpful to a group of people already quaking in their boots? I have some thoughts about that. I think the way Jesus shows up brings a double message to his disciples. On the one hand, Jesus is recognizable. He is able to show them the wounds they recognize because they saw him with those wounds inflicted upon him. On the other hand, Jesus is different. In the stories of Jesus' earthly life, Jesus doesn't materialize out of thin air. Yes, there are stories of miracles and of actions that seem supernatural, like walking on the water. But even with all of that, the Gospels describe Jesus as a man in a physical body and not someone who walked through walls, not as someone who could appear out of nowhere in a locked room. Also, all through the stories of Jesus' earthly life, Jesus' friends were able to look at him and recognize him. He was visually recognizable. After the resurrection, Jesus was somehow different. In John's Gospel, we hear in the Easter story that Mary Magdalene did not recognize him even when she talked to him. Didn't recognize him until that moment when he called her name. And in Luke's Gospel, Jesus joins two of his followers as they walk down the road headed for Emmaus, but they don't recognize him. Mile after mile, they don't recognize him until they arrive at their destination invite him to share a meal, and he breaks the bread. They recognize him when he breaks the bread. So the resurrected Jesus shows up and is both recognizable and different. I think Jesus shows his wounds as an invitation to recognize him, to truly recognize him as the friend and teacher and leader they have known and loved. Because life for the Christian community after the crucifixion is going to be very different, almost unrecognizable. And the community needs to be called back to the heart of the teachings and ministry Jesus offered during his earthly life with them.
So the disciples are locked up and afraid, and Jesus speaks words of peace, and Jesus shows them who he is, reminds them of the Jesus they know and love, so that in times when it feels like everything has changed, they can be called back to the love and life they now are called to continue. After Jesus speaks words of peace and shows them his wounds, Jesus repeats his words of peace and then says this, As the Father has sent me, so I send you. Jesus sends us. Most of the Gospels have some version of Jesus sending us. John's picture of Jesus sending doesn't tell us much. Matthew gives us more with the Great Commission that asks us to spread Jesus' work to all the world. And the writer of Luke's Gospel gives us more. We don't find it in the Gospel of Luke, but instead in that same author's second book, the book of Acts. There, Jesus tells the disciples that they will receive power through the Holy Spirit to spread Jesus' teachings and ministry all through Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. But John's gospel keeps it short and simple, spare on details. Jesus just says, As God has sent me, so I send you. God sent Jesus to minister to a hurting world, and God also sends us to minister to a hurting world. Finally, after Jesus speaks words of peace and shows them his wounds and says he will send them, after these things, Jesus speaks of forgiveness. Jesus has been wronged in the most extreme way a human being can be wronged, to be wrongly put to death. But the first lesson the resurrected Jesus brings to his disciples is a lesson of forgiveness. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. That's what Jesus says to his followers in that locked room. That saying in itself could be an entire sermon, trying to unpack that and tease out its meaning. But since that isn't my sermon for today, I'll simply point out that it is in the context of violence and injustice. And in the context of violence and injustice, Jesus brings not only a word of peace, but a lesson in forgiveness. John's Gospel tells us the story of how Jesus responded to his followers when they were very, very afraid. And whether or not we are afraid to live our faith out in the world, I think Jesus' response to his disciples then teaches us something about Christ's presence among us now. Jesus' response to his disciples then teaches us something about how to be the church in our time, about how we are called to live as a community of Jesus' followers. In our day, in a world of too much violence, Jesus brings a presence of peace. Where we find peace, and where we work for peace, Jesus is among us. In our day, we still know something about how to recognize Jesus. Not today by seeing his wounds, but by remembering his teachings and his acts of service and justice, and by seeing 
where those teachings are lived out today, where similar acts of service and justice are carried out today. When we reach out to the least, the last, and the lost, when we visit those in prison and welcome the stranger, where we bring good news to the oppressed, then Jesus is recognizable among us. In our day, where we practice forgiveness, Jesus is among us. Surely, the presence of the living Christ is among us today. And Jesus sends us now, as he sent his followers then, to offer words and actions that bring healing and hope and justice to a hurting world. Amen.